Oh, she found a mouse. She found a mouse. Oh, no. A real one? No, a toy one. Oh. Yes, she <laughs> found a mouse. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. can't control that they don't like the weather either by the way guys you get a third week of wonderful thunderstorms for real speaking of thunder (laughs) literally i the one right before i joined the meeting Mm -hmm. so fucking loud shook the house i thought it was like something like a fucking airplane falling or some shit yeah insane now see we don't have the thunder lit Yet, we just have the lightning. So, it's got both. pretty far out. Yeah. Mm. Ooh! I got, um, there's a local company, a local black-owned company, mm-hmm. female black-owned company. It's called, um, Sis Got Tea. Ooh, that, do they have tea products? Yes. Yeah. They are, they just released, um, some loose-leaf teas. I got um, their sweet potato pie. Ooh, that sounds good. I got their extra spicy chai. And I got this chocolate... I can never say... say, I can never pronounce it. It's like P-U-E-R-H or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Puree? Pure? 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 I don't know. But I I just got them today and I'm really excited about them. And Good. they're like they're these tins are like this big around and about mm-hmm. that tall. Yeah. And they smell amazing. And they're awesome. only like four bucks each. They've got so many. Like they've got this one that's banana pudding, another that's cotton candy. Um That sounds awesome. I they already they smell amazing. I didn't get a chance to make some because I was drinking iced coffee. They'll but. make some tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I told my dad, yeah, I told my dad to bring me some if he decided to make any, because that chocolate one, I think it's got cocoa nibs into it, so in mm-hmm. it, too, You'll... words are hard. Words, yeah. Um, you'll have to send me the link mm-hmm. for it, because I have so much cheese, so it wouldn't hurt to have more. Yeah, and the, and the little <laughs> containers they come in are black, like... And they're metal, so you could use, mm-hmm. like, uh, chalk to write on them or chalk paint, whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. And reuse them. No, absolutely. I'll, um, if you send it to me, I'll probably look into it when I have a little bit of money and didn't just spend $100 on getting a fox trap. Yeah. But, yeah. Let's do this. Okay, um, hey guys, I'm Rachel, and that is Grace. Hi, I'm Grace, and that's Rachel, and I think I just heard some gunshots. That's concerning. Gunshots are fireworks. (laughs) That sounded like, uh, fireworks, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, welcome to our podcast. Are we doing the whole spiel? Oh yeah, you all should definitely know who we are by now, my bad. 
Yeah. God. God. I'm sorry. Every time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you know who we are. You know what we do. And this week we are in Dallas, Texas. Woo. Woo. We've got one of the highest amounts of COVID cases right now. Seriously. Um, I only have one source this week, Wikipedia. Before Texas was settled by Europeans, it was inhabited by the people of the Caddo Nation. And, as I have said time and time and time again, I really wish that there was more information about the area during the time of the indigenous people. Yes, yes, because when we were in Canada, I found so much more. Yeah. Like, so much more, but when you look here, like... There's I don't not know why a lot. It's so hard to find in certain places. Well, look, I even clicked the link on where it said Cotto people. Mm-hmm. It didn't even say Cotto Nation, it said Cotto. And mm-hmm. when I clicked on the link, the Wikipedia article was literally just about the 21st century, not about the 1500s. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Then in the 16th century, the area was settled as part of the Spanish, Spanish, I can't talk, Spanish, part of the Spanish Viceroyalty of New Spain. The area was also partially claimed by France. However, in 1819, the Adams-Onese Treaty placed Dallas within Spanish territory. The area remained under Spanish rule until 1821, when Mexico declared independence from Spain, at which point the area became part of the Mexican state Cahuela y Tejas. If I pronounced that incorrectly, and I'm sure I did, I deeply, deeply apologize. Then in 1836, the Republic of Texas broke off from Mexico and was its own independent country until 1845 when the U.S. annexed Texas. So Dallas was granted a town charter on February 2nd, 1856. And this next part I am saying because we do not need to forget this part of history because we Americans need to learn from the mistakes of the past rather than repeating them again. By 1860, the population of Dallas was 678, which included 97 African Americans, most of whom were sadly slaves. That July, a fire broke out in the main square that that destroyed most of the buildings in the business district. Many white residents believed that the slaves were behind the fire and proceeded to run two abolitionists out of town, lynched three African-American slaves, and proceeded to whip the remainder of them. This was appropriately named the Texas Troubles. Um, I feel like there were definitely more harsher names it should have been called, but at least it was kind of recognized that it was bad. Good fuck. At the... Oh, at the... On the eve of the Civil War, like the U.S. Civil War, mm-hmm. it was voted 741 to 237 in favor of seceding the United States. Dallas was apparently far from many of the battles that occurred and suffered really no damage during the Civil War. Good news, I guess. I mean, definitely good news, but um, some great news 
is that Texan slaves were emancipated on June 19th, 1865, known mm-hmm. as Juneteenth. Yes. After the war ended, many African Americans moved to Texas for work. Also, they wanted to leave the rural areas they originally were living mm-hmm. in favor of metropolitan areas in order to escape their previous masters. So, yeah. I wish this was in textbooks. Yeah. Uh, We should also mention that when um, they were supposed to be freed, they were not. They were not told until, you said, Juneteenth. Yeah. Yeah. Of course! White insurgent veterans wanted to maintain white supremacy and establish the Ku Klux Klan in 1868 which needs to be abolished now. In it 18- needs to be labeled as a terrorist organization, which it's still not. It's, yeah, it definitely needs that. Moving on from Ku Klu- Klux, Ku Klux Klan, Klan, KKK, there we go. I can't talk. Pieces of shit, got it. Yes, them. In 1871, Dallas officially became a city, and by 1880, the... Railroad finally made its way to town. This, of course, brought in a lot of business and people and economic prosperity. By the 20th century, Dallas was the leading drug, book, jewelry, and wholesale liquor market in the southwestern part of the U.S. During this time, Dallas also transformed from an agricultural center to a center of banking, insurance, fashion, and literally a lot of other businesses that were <laughs> not listed <laughs> like everything however blacks mexican americans and poor whites were very much excluded from the progression seen in the city especially due to earlier established jim crow laws which made racial segregation legal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like most U.S. cities during wartime efforts, all manufacturing went to helping the troops and whatnot. By the mid-1900s, a version of the integrated integrated circuit was invented in Dallas by a man named Jack Kilby of Texas Instruments. Like, literally the only reason I included this little bit of information is because... I remember in middle school, we had to have a specific Texas Instruments calculator. Mm-hmm. 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 Just the specific calculator. Do they make any other kind? Oh. <laughs> I mean, they do, because we use them at work, but... TI-84? TI... I have it in my closet somewhere. <laughs> I can't tell you I what it's called. I to buy ones. Yeah, so... I don't even remember I'm... how I got one. Trade, trade, definitely Probably. trade. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, this critical invention led Dallas to being a center for technology manufacturing during the time. Then, on November 22nd of 1963, U.S. President John J. John J. Kennedy. John that is J. the wrong. <laughs> that is the wrong letter. U.S. President John F. Kennedy was assassinated on Elm Street while his motorcade was passing through the Delay Delay Plaza? Delhi? 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 Uh, how do you spell it? D-E-L-H-I? D-L-E-Y. Delhi. Let's say Delhi. 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 Okay. Yep. Sorry. Yes. 
He was passing through the Dili Plaza and someone decided to be an asshole and shoot him. Unfortunately, this brings us to current day Dallas, which is a little odd considering that that is a really long time to have not a lot happen. But this is normal. When it comes to history, you progress, then you stagnate, then progress, then... I mean, we know this. <laughs> when this COVID pandemic has passed, you should definitely check out the Dallas Botanical Gardens, the Museum of Art, the Aquarium, Zoo, and there are several parks in the area, as well as um, there is a specific museum dedicated to John F. Kennedy. Oh. So, yeah, if you're interested in all that, definitely check it out when this nonsense has passed, please. <laughs> yeah. Don't do not do it while this is still going on. And that is Dallas, Texas. Two things. A, you know I love me a good botanical gardens. Oh, Two, yes. Do you think the CIA killed JFK? I feel like there's a good theory there. Because he was definitely a favorite of the people. He but definitely risked, had a lot of different ideas. Yeah, but risked... I mean, it was a huge risk for the rest of the U.S. government. So Follow it's entirely up. possible. Follow-up. Do you think that a time traveler killed JFK? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one of the theories. They're even in the Hell season no. of Umbrella Academy. They're bringing in JFK's assassination. Hell no. Like, unless something happened in the future, which would now be completely obsolete because they killed JFK, JFK was doing absolutely everything, not necessarily right, but he was doing good for the U.S. economy and the U.S. as a whole. Unless it was somebody who didn't like the direction that he took. Well, that is definitely the case, but... (laughs) I like how we... I really feel like we should talk about conspiracy theories more often on here. We'll add it to the list. Okay. Uh. (laughs) Okay, what is your fabulous murder slash crime story? Okay, my story. That is seven pages. My story. It it could have been longer. It really could have. Um, I wish it was because mine is like three page for two stories. (laughs) That's okay. I could have put in um, a lot more. I just feel like. It wasn't entirely needed, and it was, like, so many, like, tiny details that Uh could have been interesting, but I just... I gotcha. I I know what you mean. I would have almost been copying, like... Word for word. Word for word, so... Yeah. Um, my story today is about Cowboy Bob. Cowboy Bob? Cowboy Bob. Cool. Let's learn about Cowboy Bob, guys. Cowboy Bob. I'm so excited for this. this I'm is... also going to um, write down episode names as I hear them. Cowboy Bob <laughs> oh is one God. of them. <laughs> um, there's going to be another one that's going to be great. Um, this is one of my favorite stories. And as I was writing it and researching it, I was almost finished when I found out... You know how last week I said that I don't like to do stories that have been on like on other podcasts especially if they're recent yes well after i was almost finished i found out that phoebe judge covered this on criminal back in may mm. so I was, I was upset 
Well, you know, this, this happens. Oh, yeah, speaking of, since you said something about last episode. Yeah. I do want to point out that when I spoke of the one gentleman during my story last episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only reason I left in the word prostitute, because I personally don't really like prostitute. I prefer sex worker. But the only reason I left that in is because some people genuinely do associate themselves as a prostitute and not a sex worker. Yeah, exactly. And so I that think- is literally the only reason I left it as prostitute on the off chance that he did because that's all I could find was everything and said prostitute, prostitute, prostitute. And if he associated, I was not going to just blatantly say sex worker. Yeah, I think with, um, we just try really hard to be as, like, PC as possible. I mean, me in general, in in general, in my life, I try to be. So sometimes it (laughs) chose the line of being, like, so PC that we might erase some people who don't identify as sex worker and genuinely, yeah, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and, I mean, they're, they're, I guess there is genuinely a difference between prostitute and sex worker. Depending, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't. I don't know. But anyway, I'm sorry. There is a difference. It's. Yes. It's what they call themselves. (laughs) This is true. It is definitely what they call themselves. Okay, continue. I'm so sorry I interrupted. No, you're totally good. I haven't even started yet. Um, Okay. I found out that. I found out that Phoebe Judge covered it on Criminal, and I was I was mad because <laughs> I I hate doing stuff when other podcasts have recently done them especially. Mm-hmm. But I've been wanting to do this one for a really long time, and, and you know it's been on the list for literally it, yeah. months. Like we I, have I mean, a lot of things on the list. Yeah, and like I like, plan these episodes out like months in advance like what i'm gonna do where we're gonna do it but yeah i wish i wish i had done this before Ugh, it's fine okay we're only a few months late it's okay cowboy bob my sources are wikipedia sucks.co <laughs> nbcnews.com and texlet tech well, tech two texas monthly.com articles by skip hollinsworth wikipediasucks.com <laughs> it's great yeah but you should definitely check out both of those articles on texasmonthly.com by skip Collinsworth. Okay. they are so great so in-depth um he's one of the only people who could get um who could actually interview certain people in relation to this case yeah fantastic may 1991 a bearded man wearing a brown leather jacket, cowboy hat, sunglasses, and black gloves walks into American Federal Bank just off of West Airport Freeway in Irving, Texas. What? Mm-hmm. No, just the way that you said bearded man, I instantly thought of the circus and the bearded woman and just... <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. Uh... I just... I uh, seriously, I have no idea why that just popped in my head when you said bearded man. That's funny. Um, so they walked into American Federal Bank just off West Airport Freeway in Irving, Texas. He went up to the teller and, not saying a word, 
handed her a slip of paper that said, this is a bank robbery, give me your money, no marked bills or die packs. I feel like that's the dumbest thing you could do because your handwriting can be sort of kind of traced back to you. Only if they know who you are. Valid. Or have a valid way of finding you. Um, or have a vague idea of who you are. Right, like who might have frequent there yeah. or stuff like that, yeah. So she handed over a stack of cash from her drawer. The man nodded, stuck the money into a satchel, and calmly walked out of the bank. In December of 1991, the same man, wearing the same outfit, stole $1,258 from the Savings of America, which was also located in Irving. Rude. This time... Hmm? Rude. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> this time, a witness was able to drive... Uh, to write down the license plate number of the brown 1975 Pontiac Grand Prix that the man was driving. Mm-hmm. Um, but when police tracked the license plate... They found a woman who hadn't left the house all day, and when she showed them her car, not a Pontiac Grand Prix, a red Chevrolet, they saw that her license plate was missing. Oh. Yes, obviously the bank robber had stolen it to mislead the cops. Yeah, yeah. January of 1992, just a month later, Mm -hmm. the robber hit another bank, again using a stolen license plate. This time it was on the other side of Dallas. Oh, sketchy. Not sketchy. I mean, sketchy, but not sketchy. (laughs) He robbed the Texas Heritage Bank in Garland of about $3,000. In May of 1992, he robbed the Nation's Bank in Mesquite of $5,317. During this robbery, he was given a stack of money with a hidden die pack, which he expertly picked out and handed back to the teller. He actually... Sorry. He could tell. expertly picked it out? So, like, he spotted it. So when the die packs, they're virtually, like, you can't really tell, usually, when mm-hmm. looking at them. Mm-hmm. And he was able to tell which one had the die pack and handed it back to the teller. So did he work for the bank? A bank? No. Okay. So the FBI had brought in, had been brought in to investigate after the first robbery, and after reviewing the surveillance tapes, Steve Powell, the FBI's Dallas bank robbery coordinator at the time, like his job was literally just connecting bank robberies and tracking those robbers down. Mm-hmm. So he realized that they were dealing with professional, obviously, because straight from that first robbery, like, yeah, they knew what the fuck they were doing. They knew. They knew. So he never brought weapons. He kept his head down so the security cameras couldn't get a good shot of his face. He stayed calm and didn't fidget as the teller read the note. Mm-hmm. Stayed silent the entire time and stayed uh, and checked for die packs. On the way out, he just walked calmly, never ran, and was always in and out before police would arrive. Let me just saunter my way out of this bank after stealing money. Basically... Yeah. And on when he was driving away, he didn't speed, didn't run red lights, didn't draw any attention to himself. And and he stolen plates, so they couldn't identify this person at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean smart. Very, very smart. smart. So not having a name for the robber, they just called him Cowboy Bob. <laughs> Cause Cowboy the, Bob. The hat. Yeah. He <laughs> Sorry. I was just picturing the hat, also thunder, but... 
So Cowboy Bob making the FBI completely nuts. Powell said that it made him start to pull his hair out. He was so frustrated. He could not figure it out. I get it. Like, Mr. <laughs> Bank Robber Expert said this. Yeah. Yeah. One thing he did realize, though, was that the, ma- was that the man's beard was fake and that his cowboy hat was on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so they knew to look for, so- for a man who didn't have a beard, but that's about as far as they could go. They knew to look for a man who didn't have a beard and obviously did not wear a cowboy hat very often. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> September 25th, 1992, Cowboy Bob robbed First Gibraltar Bank in Mesquite of $1,000. Or $1,700. Yeah. Police tracked the license plate and uh, used this time to another man who had his plate stolen. While they were wrapping up this case, though, they got another call that Mesquite's first interstate bank about, like, around five miles away had just been robbed by a man in a beard, cowboy hat, leather coat, and gloves. Good job, Cowboy Bob. Two in one day. Right. And, and he'd stolen money, more money from this bank than any of the previous ones, escaping with $13,000. Nearly 14000 um, why? Why this Why this bank in particular? I don't know. I guess they just had more money in the... Because, I mean, okay. he wasn't asking for, like, money from the vault. He was asking, asking money for from, money from the drawer. Right. Okay. So, I don't know. Look, even at my work, you're only allowed to have $200 in the drawer, so... Uh, at, <laughs> there's, um, there's a reason... At H&M, they would have 300 Well, but you all also did do a whole lot more business than we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, apparently he was so happy with this one, because $13,000, that he tipped his hat to the teller in a kind of salute. <laughs> so, the license plate uh, an eyewitness saw in the Pontiac led the FBI to a man named Pete Tallis. When they caught up with him, he was at work at a Ford factory. I put Fort factory. A Ford car park they're just, factory. They're just... Oops. And, they're just building forts. <laughs> we're just building, building pillow forts. Nothing to see here. <laughs> I love pillow forts. What are you dropping, dude? My notes. Mm. <laughs> my, my, my names for this episode. Mm. Okay. Cowboy so, Bob. <laughs> so he worked at a Ford, a Ford factory in Carrollton. He told police that he did used to have a 1975 Pontiac Grand Prix that matched the description, but mm-hmm. he had given it to his mother and sister a while back because they couldn't afford a food. <laughs> they couldn't they, afford the food because they couldn't, they couldn't afford, afford a car. the car. They couldn't yeah. afford a car, and when they told him that it had been used in a robbery, he said bullshit that car can't go fast enough (laughs) (laughs) nice great response (laughs) so he gave them his mother's address and when they arrived they found the car Mm -hmm. and as they were discussing it discussing uh if they should storm the house and catch cowboy bob red-handed they saw a woman in a t-shirt and shorts walk towards the car and they're like great this is probably his girlfriend we can use her to get into the house fantastic (laughs) this is one of those moments you all need to see my face (laughs) 
So they followed the woman and pulled her over. The woman introduced herself as Peggy Jo Tallis, and she said that the car was hers, and that nobody else had driven it, and, she, and that she had driven it earlier to get some fertilizer from a nursery. And there was a bag of fertilizer in her trunk. He asked if he could look around her apartment, and she said that no one else is in there but her sick mother. So obviously, she's not giving this boyfriend up. Mm-hmm, so the mm-hmm, FBI mm-hmm, enters mm-hmm, the apartment mm-hmm. looking for the suspect, and they don't find him. They do find the fake beard and cowboy hat that the man used, and a bag of money under the bed. Powell told her that he knew she was hiding a man from them, to which she gave him a look and said, There isn't any man, I promise you that. And that's when Pal notices traces of gray dye in her hair and a bit of glue still on her lip and realizes what happened. And he arrests her. (laughs) He takes her back to the FBI office and tells the other agents, Gentlemen, Cowboy Bob is actually Cowboy Babette. This is why I love this story so much. How do you spell Babbitt? B A B A B E T T E. This is why I love this one so much. Like, I wish you all. I feel like I am bruising my said- lip. How bad <laughs> I am biting my lip. Yeah, as soon as I said there was a woman walking towards the car, I knew you I knew you knew it and I was trying so hard to make it seem like, oh, that's her girlfriend. That's the girlfriend. Obviously. Nope. Uh, I I know all too well single women. Nope. And then I recognized uh, like I saw the look on your face and I was like, shh, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> I want to boy anyone who hasn't heard it. So, I have never heard this story before. <laughs> so, let's talk about Peggy Jo Tallis. Okay. A lot of lightning here. Okay, so... Peggy... Peggy Jo was the... Oh. That was a long one. We got nothing here. Hmm. Okay. So Peggy Jo Tallis was the youngest of three kids. Her father died when she was four from cancer, and her mother found a job as a nurse's aide to support the family. Peggy Jo was a very free-spirited teenager and dropped out of high school after the 10th grade, telling her friends that there was just too much else to do in life than to spend so many days at school. I mean... (laughs) As, as a 26-year-old, I now realize that. Yeah. But Stay also, high school, finish though. high school. Finish yeah. high school. Finish high school. If you want a specialized degree, do it. I just But also, <laughs> if you don't want a specialized degree, please go into trade work. Because, one, that makes you some good money. A lot we of time, all yeah. know... You need money in the American economy. Mm-hmm. Two, we need more trade workers. Yep. I can't tell you how hard it is to find a decent technician for cars right now. Yeah. Like, it's it's pretty hard. Okay. Okay. Continue. My so, bad. 
So her family and friends say that she was the kindest person they ever met, and even once drove her friend Karen Jones around to look for stray stray dogs to adopt. And then she promptly took her to the Yellow Belly Drag Strip to watch the cars race. She was exciting. Okay. In her 20s, she worked as a receptionist at a Marriott hotel, making friends with another receptionist, Cherry Young. They became really close friends. They went out almost every night, going to nightclubs, playing pool, flirting with men. They also went to a shit ton of concerts with a lot of big names like Rolling Stone, Mick Jagger, a lot of, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cherry Young, I need me a Cherry Young. Bitch, I'm a Cherry Young. Cherry Young, get me out of my house. <laughs> it's coronavirus. I know. <laughs> anyway, they also went out to go. Uh, so they went to a bunch of concerts, but they also went to like poetry nights and um, they went to see movies. Her favorite movie was fucking hilarious to me. It's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which. For those who don't know, it's about two men who were bank and train robbers in the Old West. Like, foreshadowing. I was going to say, I, I, I did not know that, but... Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Cherry said that Peggy wasn't really interested in getting married or having children and didn't care about having a career, and she didn't even care about money, really. She was saving up to someday move to Mexico, though, to live on the beach. Is that why she was stealing money? <clears throat> they think so. Okay, cause I mean, cause if she didn't, if she didn't care about saving money or money in general, why was she stealing? I'll mention it later. So, okay. they also apparently once drove past an armored truck and mentioned that she mentioned that she could rob it and not have to worry about money for a while. <laughs> I'm sorry. Her favorite month. Her favorite movie. And making those comments, like, and, mm. But, but also, I have thought those comments every once in a while. I would never, ever in a million years act on them, but. Okay, but if I told you <laughs> my favorite movie was about a, um, about a bank robber, and then I said, I could knock off that armored truck, <laughs> you'd, I'd be a little bit suspicious if I, I don't know. Uh- a little bit, but unfortunately, with millennial culture, I would just be like, ah, yeah, eh, fair, very yeah, fair. fair, same. I'd be like, ah, eh, same. same. Yeah. <laughs> Once she was pulled over and got a ticket, which she ripped up in the officer's face. Yeah. Another time, uh, she and Cherry had a fight on a night out in Fort Worth. Cherry went to another bar, and Peggy Joe stole a car. That rhyme. Just a little rhyming for you. I didn't mean to do that. Rhymed. <laughs> I've been doing that a lot today on accident. Crap. So <sighs> she was caught and pled guilty to a felony charge of unauthorized use of of a motor vehicle, and got five years probation. Peggy Joe's niece said that she was very loving, would babysit all the time, and made up fun games for them to play, told them ghost stories, and was just lovely. She sounds like a really nice person. Yeah. So, in the 70s, she found out that a man she was dating was married when she went to the town he lived in and spotted his car at a business. 
she saw another woman getting in and asked went over and asked her who she was and found out that way yeah Mm. yeah uh so she moved in Mm. with her mother who had a degenerate degenerative bone disease oh so i am so sorry the entire time you said literally the past like paragraph i just kept thinking of tiktok don't be suspicious don't Don't be be suspicious (laughs) yeah (laughs) so she moved in with her mother who had a degenerative bone disease she found a job and time passed she kept in touch with Cherry, and the two would go out, like, old times every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And one day, she called and persuaded Cherry to quit her job so they could go to Florida and live for a couple months on the beach. That's a... Sound reasoning. I mean, yeah. But, uh, Cherry got married and moved to Oklahoma City, and... Cherry got married! Jesus. And all of her friends got married. Um, all did... They did Dude. all the adult stuff people do. Dude, I feel that. I feel so <laughs> non-adult right now. With everyone getting married and having kids, I feel so non-adult. Weirdly, I don't, but that's I just do. because most of my friends aren't married and don't have kids. Mm-hmm. The, the rest of my friends are getting dangerously close to married kid status. Yeah, that's why you just don't have a lot of friends. Also true! <laughs> Anyway, but Peggy didn't really, Peggy Joe didn't really seek out relationships anymore in Mm -hmm. 19, huh? Same. Same. Yeah, same. In 1984, Peggy and her mother moved to Garland, Texas to be closer to Peggy Joe's niece, Michelle, and her family. She went through some stuff here. Mm -hmm. She suffered a back injury. She had to get a double mastectomy, began taking anti-anxiety medication, and she was having trouble paying the bills. On top of this, um, her friends kind of said that she seemed to be going through sort of midlife crisis, maybe. So Um, young? At this point, she... Fuck, I think it was around 40, 46. That's still youngish. That's around a midlife crisis for a lot of people, Rachel. I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that's old, but I'm saying that's when a lot of people start (laughs) feeling like they've been wasting their lives, like they feel like they should do more. That is exactly when I'm gonna have my midlife crisis. (laughs) I'm already having it. I'm having it right now. True. Me. I think they call it a mid-youth crisis, Um, or is that just hosier? I don't know. It's a 20-something crisis. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. So, um, she, yeah, it says she felt like her life was slipping away. So, that brings us up to the robberies. Ooh. So, she got a, dis- a disguise, robbed the banks, but after her arrest, Powell had all the questions we probably have. Yes. How did she know how to rob banks so easily without being caught? Why did she rob two banks in one day? And why did she use her actual license plate during the fifth robbery? Apparently it's not that hard to rob a bank, according to her. (laughs) Well, because, like, you know when you think of a bank robber, you think of somebody who comes in, guns blazing, yelling, like, this is a robbery, and is like really anxiety ridden is like checking over their shoulder every five seconds think like Mm -hmm. worrying about security or stuff like that she didn't do any of that she was (laughs) extremely calm never said a word was like all right let's go the trick is to be chill 
Yeah. If you act <laughs> like you belong, then you belong. No. Um, then you belong. Yes. <laughs> so she didn't say shit about that yeah. issue. I mean, of course. So she was evaluated by a psychologist and she said she had decided to rob a bank to pay for her mother's medical bills and her medicine. Okay. But she Sound had... reason? Horrible. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yep. She had no intention of robbing another one. Uh-huh. Or another one. Or another, or another one. one. <laughs> or another one. Or another one. Yep. The whole time she was being interviewed by the psychologist, she just kept shrugging her shoulders every time he asked her a question and smoking her cigarette, seemingly unbothered. She's like, I don't know what to tell you. This just It just is what it is. <laughs> To be fair, she didn't really hurt anyone. She never hurt anyone. Never even... She never even brought in a weapon. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, at all. Yeah. I believe it. Um... This psychologist described her as a nice, normal-looking woman. He was, like us, amazed and in awe of her. Like, definitely Mm -hmm. same. Oh, yeah. Uh, eventually, they concluded that she just didn't want to admit how much fun she had robbing banks. That she might slightly be a psychopath. I don't think she was. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think she was, because she seemed to be genuinely nice and like she... cared for people. I think she just liked the thrill. I was going to say, she probably enjoyed the adrenaline rush. Yeah. But I, I just, I think it's amazing that, like, she could be enjoying that adrenaline rush and be so calm at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. we do not condone robbing banks. Oh, do no, not don't. Don't do that. Rob That's banks. a really easy way to get shot nowadays. Um, so <sighs> it's too easy to get shot nowadays. Very. So uh, she only got 33 months for all of this. Uh. Likely, okay. likely because she never used a weapon, she seemed mm-hmm. remorseful, and also likely because the judge agreed that it was so out of character for her. Like, that's privilege right there. That is privilege. That's, that's definitely, definitely privilege. privilege. So, she didn't do interviews for any of this, neither did her family. They wanted to just move on. Yeah. Um... So, Peggy Jo moved on with her life. Um, she moved back in with her mother... Spent most of her time taking care of her when she wasn't working as a telemarketer, and then eventually as a cashier at Harbor Bay Marina and Lake Ray Hubbard, at Lake Ray Hubbard, where they loved her. She used her own own money to help the customers who couldn't afford very much. She helped out anyone who needed it. She also gave um, a man who had just been released from prison some money to help him get by. And she would tell people who would ask her why she does this stuff, like, we all got a past, you know? <laughs> she being one of she, them. She <laughs> being one of it, yeah. <laughs> Peggy Jo lost touch with her friends. Um, her sister Nancy died of breast cancer, and her mother Helen died at 83 in her sleep. Mm-hmm. In the spring of 2004, Peggy Jo bought a Frontier, uh, Frontier RV, quit her job, and told her manager she was going to put some money together and head down to Padre Island or Mexico to live on the beach like she'd always wanted to. So Peggy How'd jo, that work out? <laughs> Peggy Jo sold or gave away all of the furniture in her home and sold her car. For a few weeks, she stayed at the public park near Lake Ray Hubbard, and her niece even visited her there occasionally. Tyler, Texas, October 2004. Right about that time, uh, an odd bank robbery occurred at the small Guarantee Bank on the southern edge of the city. 
According to the tellers, Mm -hmm. the robber was an older man with a round stomach and a scraggly mustache. He wore a dark, floppy hat, baggy clothes, and gloves. He With played... a round stomach. Yes. Was she pregnant? She was in her 60s, so not likely. So no. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> he placed a green canvas bag on the counter and said, All your money, no bait bills, no blown up money. Then, after receiving a stack of cash, he walked out of the bank and down a street. No one got a glimpse of a getaway vehicle at all. Yeah. One of the tellers did tell FBI agents that she was that she was very struck by the softness of the robber's voice. That it sounded very feminine. <laughs> What's more, um, the teller said that the robber's mustache appeared to have been glued on and his stomach looked more padded than real. The thing is So the 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 teller kind of knew. Kind of, yeah. Thing is, Steve Powell the FBI mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. He had just retired. Oh no. And a lot of people think that if he was still working at the time, he would have known who it was immediately. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the FBI interviewed an older man they thought matched the description, but he passed a lie detector test with flying colors, but they kept interviewing older men. Mm-hmm. Instead of older women, too. Yeah. Uh, eventually, they started looking for other types of suspects, which I'll get into later. Okay. Seven, seven months later, on May 5th, 2005, Peggy Drow, 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 Peggy Joe drove to Tyler, Texas again, parked her RV next to a jack-in-the-box across the street from Guarantee Bank, again, like the one she had robbed back in October. Mm-hmm. This time, she walked in without a disguise told the teller, this is a robbery. I need all of your money. Don't set any alarms. Said. I knew what you meant. <laughs> um, she got $11,000 this time. Oh, said, wow. thank you, and walked out. At least she was polite. But she made a mistake. What was her mistake? She didn't check for dye packs. She was getting up there. Yeah. Uh, well, I think she just had so much money, like, enough to get her to Mexico and last a while that she just didn't think. She was like, got this money, gotta go. So she walks mm-hmm. out the door, and the dye pack blows, causing red smoke mm. to come from the bag she's carrying. This nice. is the insane part to me. She didn't run. She just calmly walked across a busy road back to her RV to get away from the bank she had to drive up a steep hill which for an old RV not the easiest nope definitely not so it didn't take very long for her to have a trail of police behind her mm-hmm. Peggy Joe slammed on the brakes turning into a subdivision on the edge of the city she couldn't get very far because police drove past her and boxed her in officers surrounded the RV not knowing who was in there or even how many were in there, they had been working under the assumption that a group of black men were robbing banks and thought she could be an accomplice or even one of the men pretending to be a woman. What? Wow. Um, <laughs> this, this, uh, 
Yeah. We have encountered a lot of points where we really need our listeners to see our faces. I, I, yeah. Sometimes it makes me think that we really should start recording these. Because, uh, but also means that we both need to be more engaged. (laughs) And, yep. Not, like, divert on so much stuff. Yep. Agreed. But, um, and plus that, because that would be even more editing for you. Also, yeah. Also, yes, yes. Okay, so the police called for whoever was inside to come out, so she did, Mm -hmm. holding a toy gun. A toy gun? A toy gun. She did have a real gun, like a loaded three fifty seven Magnum, to be exact. Um, but she grabbed the toy gun instead, and according to police, this gun looked real. There was nothing to suggest that it was not real because she had bought it in the event that she would need to threaten somebody if she needed money during a bank robbery, which she never used it. No, she, according to your story, she never used it. She never used it. And... So she came out and started waving the gun around and told police that she wouldn't go back. They were they were going to have to kill her. She then pointed the gun directly at the at police and they opened fire. Four mm. shots. Four shots hit her and she froze, falling forward, dead. She was 60 oof. years old when she died. I mean, go grandma, but oof. Goddamn. Once they realized who she was, an FBI agent called Steve Powell and told him what had happened. He was sad. He was sad. He was sad. He said, as much as he hated to say it, that that he respected the way that she robbed banks, that she never used a gun because she wouldn't hurt anybody, and she didn't think that he didn't think that she ever would. Yeah. He said that she came close to being the most perfect bank robber that he's ever seen. The most perfect bank robber. Yeah. Her family was completely shocked at all of this. They thought she had moved on. None of them suspected that she could be up to her old tricks. At her funeral... Well, why not? At her funeral, Peggy Jo's niece told a story that was so sweet. She had once adopted a wounded duck at the marina and named it Bernice. Oh! Oh! I know! Cherry Young, Peggy's... Uh, Peggy Joe's old friend didn't hear about her death until months later when she called Pete to catch up. She uh-huh. said sometimes she can't get over the sadness that she's gone, but that she thinks she went out doing what she loved. Robbing banks. Robbing banks. I want you to know, I'm literally tearing up now because of your duck comment. I know, it's so cute. So why did she change her MO at the last moment? Like, why didn't... What? And- yeah, Why? Do you exactly. know why? I don't. Nobody knows. Like, that's, that's one of the biggest questions about this. Why did she stop wearing the disguise? Why didn't she check for a dye pack like usual? She, like, and no note. She spoke. Like, was, spoke. Was it, was it maybe a panic thing? Was it something like maybe she was diagnosed with something that is incurable that she's like, well, screw this. It doesn't matter anymore. Nope. No. I think one of the biggest theories is that maybe she wanted it to be like, um... Her last hurrah. Yeah. Like, she wanted it to be like, this is my final one, I'm gonna peace out to Mexico, you're never gonna see me again, what's the fucking point? Mm -hmm. But... I mean... 
but if she just if she hadn't switched things up she would have gotten away with it I, I bet that she would have gotten away with it I just I don't get it oh you know what else I don't get what's that there is no Wikipedia on this woman and that is why I use Wikipedia sucks to be fair, Wikipedia does not have everything, and it is a user-driven website. But the thing is, I think people have tried to make Wikipedias for her. I know. But they just don't have one. They've got stuff on really, really dumb shit, and people have tried oh, yeah. to make Wikipedias for her. There's nothing on Wikipedia about her at all. So if people have tried to make Wikipedias on her, why have they not gone through? I don't know. I really don't. I smell conspiracy. So, like, she's so famous that a play was written and staged about her in 2014. Her story was featured on an episode of the TV series Forbidden. A band called The Moaners wrote a song about her in 2010. And there was a movie um, that was going to be made titled The Last Ride of Cowboy Bob. The last update on that uh, that I could find was that it was in development back in 2017, so I guess it fell through. But Probably. Like, there's nothing on Wikipedia about her. And it's insane to me. Yeah. But see, to me, it's not as insane. But also, I can understand what you're saying. Because, I mean, she had... I mean, movies. She had music after her. She had... And numerous all of these podcasts things. have talked about her. And, like, think of any bank robber, murderer, or anything. They're on there. Any, any like hack politician any bullshit actor they're on there yeah yeah and it bothers correct. me but that's my story it, okay well that story really bothers me Ooh, hold on just like you oof woof it is your turn now my turn yes what so, is your story i have two stories this week cool Super duper short stories, but stories. Yay. Cool. Okay. So the first story that I have is the Lady of White Rock Lake, which is one that Mm. you suggested. Um, And I did, to our listeners, I did kind of want to tie it in with um, Lady in White, Woman in White, La Llorona. However... After reading through these stories, there there's not a whole lot in similar, so I could not tie it into any of them. I think you could do Lady in White because a lot of Lady in White um, ghosts that you hear about are usually like... That's a loud one. Holy shit. <laughs> They're usually like hitchhiker ghosts, mm-hmm. and I think that could have fit, but... And see, I didn't really equate that because it, one, she wasn't in white, so she doesn't fit the stereotype. You don't know that it wasn't white, because it's just a Neiman Marcus dress. That's true. Okay, before we continue with this conversation, Sorry. let me tell the story. Um, okay, so my, my resources. Yes. My sources are... WhiteRockLake.org, WFAA.com, WatermelonKid.com, and Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> WatermelonKid.com. Watermelon yep. 
Um, okay, so according to some of these websites, this is one of the better known urban legends in Dallas, Texas. This seems to have taken place roughly in 1930. At least that is when students of Woodrow Wilson High in East Dallas began to tell, you know, the stories about it. Mm Then it was published in 1943 in the Texas Folklore Society's Backwoods to Border. And the story goes, literally reading this word for word. Okay. Otherwise, it would sound super weird if I tried to re- reword it. Um, okay. One hot July night, a young city couple... City couple having driven out and parked on the shore of White Rock Lake, switched on the headlights of the car and saw a white figure approaching. As the figure came straight to the driver's window, they saw it was a young girl dressed... Oh, see, okay, that's where I got this. Dressed in a sheer white dress that was dripping wet. She spoke in a somewhat faltering voice. I'm sorry to intrude, and I would not under any other circumstances, but I must find a way home immediately. I was in a boat that overturned. The others are safe, but I must get home. You know where I, I the Neiman Marcus dress, that was that must have been a different one. What was I thinking of? No, it's not a different it's one. Not? It's not. No. She climbed into the rumble seat, saying that she did not wish to get the young ladies dress wet and gave them an address in Oak Cliff on the opposite side of Dallas. The young couple felt an uneasiness concerning their strange new passenger and as they neared the the destination to avoid hunting the address and obviously off quote like doing the uh is this it? Is this it? Is this it? (laughs) The, The girl turned to where the other girl would have been to ask for direction directions however that seat was empty but there was a pool of water Ooh. yeah come here she's ready for bed that's why she's doing this Aww. after a brief futile search for the girl in white, the couple went to the address that she had given and were met at the door by a man whose face showed lines of worry. When he had heard the couple's story, the man replied in a troubled voice, This is a very strange thing. You are the third couple who has come to me with this story. Three weeks ago, while sailing on White Rock Lake, my daughter was drowned. And then, of course, the story just ends right there. I wish there was more. Um, There's one more. Okay. And in 1953, a similar story surfaced. Only this time, the couple who saw the girl were directors of display at the famous store uh, down in Texas known as Neiman Marcus. Mm. That's where you got this from. I was wondering where that came in. Okay. So, this version goes... One night, literally, word for word, one night about ten years ago, a beautiful blonde girl ghost appeared on a road near Dallas White Rock Lake. Mr. and Mrs. Guy Malloy, directors for display for the world-famous specialty store Neiman Marcus, saw the girl. 
only they didn't recognize her right off for a ghost. She had walked up from the beach, and she stood there in the headlights of the slow-moving Malloy car. Mrs. Malloy said, Stop, Guy. That girl seems to be in trouble. She must have fallen in the lake. Her dress is wet, yet you can tell it is a very fine dress. She certainly got it at the store. <laughs> By the store, Mrs. Malloy meant the Neiman Marcus Company of Dallas. Of course. Of course. The girl spoke in a friendly, cultured, con- contralato? I'm sorry, what? Contralato. What the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> hey, Google. What's contralato? Here are some results. That does not exist. <laughs> you spell it? Contra. Uh-huh. L-T-O. Contralto? Contralto. Um... It's a type of classical female singing voice whose vocal range is the lowest female voice type. Cool. So she Jean said in a, in a deep voice. sing-song voice yeah. to the couple after the car had obviously come to a stop. Mm-hmm. She said she'd like to be taken to an address on Gaston Avenue in the nearby Lakewood section. I'd like to be taken... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It was an emergency, she said. She didn't explain what had happened to her, and the Malloys were too polite to ask. Of course. I'm she had like, bitch, what's wrong with you? <laughs> right. <laughs> Crystal! Oh, honey. She had long hair, which was beginning to dry in the night breeze. I don't know why they have to mention that. Just... I guess just to reinforce the fact that she seems so real. That she seems solid, yeah. yeah. And Mrs. Molloy was now sure that this girl was wearing a Neiman Marcus dress. She was very gracious as she slipped past Mrs. Molloy and got in the back seat of the back seat of the two-door sedan. When the car started, Mrs. Molloy turned to converse with the passenger in the Neiman Marcus gown. The girl had vanished. Oh my god. There was a damp spot on the back seat. The Malloys went to the address on Gaston Avenue. A middle-aged man answered the door. Yes, he had a daughter with long blonde hair who wore nothing but but demon. Demon, Marcus. (laughs) Boom. Got him. who wore nothing but Neiman Marcus clothes. She had been drowned about two years before when she fell off a pier at White Rock Lake. Mm. The point of the story, for other purposes, is not that Mr. and Mrs. Guy Malloy, a hard-working, sober, and no-nonsense couple, say very firmly that they saw a ghost. (laughs) Okay. Other folks say that they have seen the beautiful girl ghost of White Rock. And the point of the story is that she was a very well-dressed ghost. Mm-hmm. This whole Shop part... Shop s- Marcus, the ghost uh, do. That is literally what this is. It's pretty much just an <laughs> ad, an for, ad Neiman. for Neiman Marcus. <laughs> for, 
<laughs> for, yeah, literally, next sentence. And Mrs. Malloy at once identified her as wearing Neiman Marcus clothes. Okay. So, shop here at Neiman Marcus. I do, although... So, I did that, too. Whenever I worked retail, I'd be like, H&M, $9.99. Whenever I would see somebody wearing something, I would know the exact price. I would know where it yeah. came from. I would know which section it was I in. mean, it's, so a, that it's part very get, valid. But the... Yeah. She only wears Neiman Marcus. Oh. She only wears Neiman Marcus. Good enough for this yeah. um, Contralta ghost. Good yeah, enough contralta. for you. <laughs> This story, is that the end? Um, no. Okay. I mean, that's that's the end of the story, okay. but not the end of the story. We've got, like, a paragraph left. This story reminds me so much, so much of Resurrection Mary. I did not look into that, so I'm probably gonna it's have in, to. I think it's in Chicago, so we yeah. could do another one because that it, I mean it's it's so similar, like yeah. Well, if it's more similar to Woman in White, then I really would like to do it with Woman in White. So maybe we can tie it together. It's really close no, to this. It's one. It's more similar because to this. She okay. um, she was in a car accident. Like she went dancing, and she was in a mm. car accident on the way home, and she haunts um like the place where she was dancing and the road home and the cemetery where she was buried and buried. um she would like show up at that dance hall she would have a guy take her home and then um she would be like stop here really quick at the cemetery she would be like don't follow me go into the cemetery and then she just wouldn't come back come back and yeah. then they would go down to the house that she told them she lived at and her mother would be like yeah, she died. She was in a car accident. So long after ago, coming yeah. From the dance hall. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. It is believed that this Lady of the Lake stems from the suicide of a young woman named Louise Ford Davis. On Friday, July 5th, 1935, Mrs. Davis apparently left a note for her sister saying that she was going to drown herself in the lake. Oh, dear. Her sister immediately alerted the authorities who rushed down to the lake in order to prevent her from hurting herself. However, when they arrived, they were too late. One of... Thunder? Here too. Yeah. One of the detectives actually saw her bobbing up and down in the water as they were rushing in to rescue her. Mm. So, yeah. Um, of course, they did their best to resurrect her. Resurrect. That's not... Resuscitate. <laughs> yeah, resuscitate. <laughs> I even wrote resuscitate. I don't know why I said resurrect. Because I, I was talking about resurrection Mary. <laughs> uh, okay, they did their best to resuscitate her, but she was, at this point, too far gone. Mm-hmm. So, and that is the story of Lady of White Rock Lake, but I do have a second story, Mm -hmm. much shorter. My second story this week is Six Flags Over Arlington. Oh, yeah. I was, oh, yeah. yeah, I was, I looked at uh, all of the different hauntings in Texas because I knew you were having trouble. That's the one of the ones I found, but I was like, I don't know. 
seriously, I looked into so many hauntings and so many of them yeah. gave me like a paragraph mm-hmm. and I can't do anything with a paragraph. You're like, what are you going to do? A ghost tour in Texas? Fuck. Uh, f- felt like I was at one point, but my head was so hurting. I was not about to do that. I know. I'm kind of worried okay. for what happens when we want to do another Texas one. Go to South Texas. Okay. That's what we do. Okay, so my sources for this story are hauntedrooms.com and heraldbanner.com. So the theme park Six Flags over Texas opened in August of 1960 because the founder, Angus G. Wine Jr., Wine, Win, whatever, wanted W-Y-N-N-E. I would say Win. Wanted... Wanted to have a theme park attraction in his home state that rivaled that of Disneyland or Universal, you know, something of the sort. After a lot of help from the bank, yada yada, the park opened, Mm -hmm. obviously. The name of the park was determined and based off of the fact that six different nations helped to find the wonderful state of Texas. Spain, yeah, Spain, France, Mexico, the Republic of Texas, the Confederate States of America, and the United States of America were the six. Uh, Yeah, I know. I would not have included some of those, but we did not make this park. There were um, six different sections of the park, each dedicated to one of the nations, and it has continued to rival that of Disneyland and Universal Studios today. Was it really that big? I mean, it's like our Six Flags used to be. Fair, but I feel like Disney World, you know? That's fair, though. Because, I mean, there, when it's, like, in relation to where you are, it's more likely yeah, to be that, there. That's what I was going to say. It, it does say something when it is close enough that families don't have to drive, you know, 10, 12 hours to get to it. Like how we go to Kings Island often yes. instead of Six Flags when we can. Yes. Yes. Well, in we, we would have gone to Six Flags, except when we started going to Kings Island, it kind of closed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As with most amusement parks you know, being fast-paced and having very complicated rides, there have been many accidents. Mm. So not all of them, but some of them have been fatal. In the next, like, four facts I'm quoting. In 1968, ride attendant John Raymond Nelson accidentally lost his balance and plunged to his death while loading the El Sombrero attraction. In 1999, a 29-year-old Arkansas woman died on a river rafting ride when cells in the raft spontaneously deflated. Oh, and no. Yeah, and ride machinery accidentally flip, flipped the raft over, oh, so she essentially shit. drowned. In 2011, a 64-year-old woman was found unresponsive in a lazy river at the the park's Hurricane Harbor expansion. 
and despite being rushed to the hospital, was declared dead from drowning. Oh, shit. In a lazy river. Fuck. In the lazy river. I feel like something else went on there, but it did not go into detail. In 2013, a 52-year-old woman fell from the New Texas Giant roller coaster after a malfunction from her seat restraint. Oh, no. And I did kind of go into a black hole with all of the accidents that happened in and around, like, not just the Six Flags, but, like... Every Six Flags? All the Six Flags. So many. Well, I mean, we know the most famous one here, so... Yes, we know the most famous one here. With these deaths in mind, it just kind of makes sense that some spirits might possibly remain on the property. And encounters are few and far between, but the most well-known spirit is that of a young girl ghost named Annie. Hmm. It is believed that Annie was a girl who had... who had drowned in the nearby creek in the 1920s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She is known to reside in an old yellow barn that had been transformed into a candy shop. Ooh. Okay. Visitors, yeah. It's kind of cute, actually. Of course she goes to the candy shop. Well, duh. Duh. Visitors can sometimes see the lights in the upstairs rooms above the candy shop flickering on and off. She has even been seen by some guests who ride the mine train attraction walking along the train tracks. Oh, I would not like that. Be like, I wouldn't um, either. sir, there's a child over there. Please, please help them. <laughs> During one paranormal investigation of the park, a female investigator felt as if someone was playing with her hair Ooh. when, oof, yeah. When going back and reviewing the audio from this part of the investigation, the recorder picked up a young female voice saying, Let me play with your hair. No. During another part of the investigation, a teddy bear was apparently seen moving in one corner of the room. When that investigator asked Annie to do it again, the audio picked up a voice saying, No. (laughs) (laughs) No. 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 And that is all I found about Six Flags of Texas. That's fucking funny. No. 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 That'd be me as a ghost. No. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Myths and Misfortunes. Or Twitter at Myths and Misfortunes. Oh, we're doing that? I don't know. You were doing it, so I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. We'll pop up. You can also send us an email to mythsandmisfortunes at gmail.com. Fun story. Our website is also mythsandmisfortunes.com. And we worked hard on it. Go see it. So, our (laughs) theme music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Adkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. Description below. Description. Description. As we have said many times, they are absolutely amazing. Please check them out. Yes. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We actually had two five-star reviews uh, recently, which we really appreciate. Um... Whoever the you best. are. <laughs> Thank you so much of our nine subscribers. We really appreciate <laughs> it. And they're literally all on CastBox. 
And I think three of them are my family. Probably. I think we have a few on Spotify. Yeah. Anyway, we appreciate you all. Thank you. Yep. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Oh, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.